It's Two Girls, One Broadcast. Hosted by Jack and Katie. In my mind, there was never a doubt that I was going to get better. You know what? Life is so short. You might as well just go ahead and do this and go for it. Be okay with disagreeing with each other. Yes. But understanding why everyone has different opinions. This is a podcast focusing on relationships, sex, wellness, and spirituality. Welcome back, guys. Happy Tuesday. You are here with Two Girls, One Broadcast. I am Katie. And I am Jack. And this week we have a really special guest. I'm super excited about this for my own selfish reasons, but I think this is going to be really helpful to everyone. Mm -hmm. So we have Amanda from Jane So Plain with us this week. Our financial expert. Well, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say expert, but I've learned a few things via trial and error, so I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're going to be talking all about financial literacy this week, which I'm like barely literate in English, definitely not literate in finances. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Selfishly, I'm really excited about this, but we've talked a little bit offline. We've gotten to know Amanda, and I think that this is something that a lot of us feel very overwhelmed and like not even knowing where to start, especially if you're like in your early 20s or mid 20s or like me, I'm 30 and I'm still like, what the fuck am I doing? So I think that this is going to be really helpful to you guys. So I hope that you like this <laughs> and um, get some value out of it. Yeah. So we got all your suggestions on Instagram mm-hmm. and great, great suggestions. Uh, eventually we'll talk about all of them, but we want to start at the basics today because we do not want to overwhelm you and we have a very good plan when it comes to, like all the things that you guys asked. So we're just going to start with financial literacy and go through that first. And then from there, we'll have some other episodes out with a little more detail about RSPs, things like that, that kind of come after you've gotten comfortable with just being financially literate because it's the most important piece of it. Yeah. We said like, we don't want to throw you in the deep end right off the bat with like a bunch of tiger sharks or something. We want to kind of bring you in the shallow end, like with water wings (laughs) and start from there. So yeah. Take it away. Take, Take it, it away. away. This is why I should not drink wine when we're recording. I'm like, what are words? What is English? Let's what? record in French. Como ça va? Um, you are 100% right. Like when it comes to finances or financial literacy, um, it is very overwhelming. There's so much to talk about that and everyone's so individual in what they want to know or kind of where they're at with our financial understanding that, um, yeah, we could talk for like 85 days straight. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if we know each other quite well enough to spend that much time together. So we'll just start here, like right at the basics, which is like a super good place to start because if you don't have this foundation built with financial understanding and why it's important, then you're not going to be able to go any further than that. You can know all the how-tos and the budgets and the Excel spreadsheets, but if you don't have like the general understanding and a good money mindset, all of that's going to be useless. Mm -hmm. So what is financial literacy? Ah, excellent question. (laughs) So financial literacy is basically just a general understanding of common financial concepts. So that could be like budgeting, Um, your household expenses, your income, investing, saving. And I don't mean investing like like Wall Street 
fucking awesomeness. I mean, like <laughs> understanding how to save for your future, for that retirement, for your rainy day fund, um, emergencies, not living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to financial literacy, I'll just give you um, a stat that is probably going to make a whole lot of sense is the higher your financial literacy, the higher your wealth is. The higher your financial literacy, the lower your debt is. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to have some financial literacy is because it actually has a huge impact on your wealth, which ultimately actually has a huge impact on your happiness. Money isn't everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be the first to say that. But anyone who's like, yeah, you can live basically super poor and be super, super happy is not telling the truth mm-hmm. because money is a huge stress stressor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. So if you are living that stressful life, you're not going to be enjoying it. So why not have financial literacy, be able to develop wealth, be able to develop that security, um, and ultimately live the life the way you want to, right? Mm-hmm. But have the, having wealth gives you flexibility and choices. It lets you live life the way you want to instead of having to live it for somebody else, right? That paycheck to paycheck, the going to the job you despise, the feeling the guilt because you can't maybe provide for your family in the way you want, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like what you said about how the more your financial literacy, the more wealth you have. Because I've experienced through my 20s, the more income I have has not translated to more wealth. And it's because I don't have that financial literacy and I have it. It hasn't been something that I've put the time and effort into managing properly. Like right now I make... more than I made five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I am in more debt today than I was back then. But also like I was married at one point, my husband made more than double what I made. And we were also living paycheck to paycheck. It just goes to show like, if you aren't budgeting and doing all these things and being really mindful of your money, it really doesn't matter if you're making $40,000 a year or $120,000 a year, you're still going to be living paycheck to paycheck and money is going to be a huge stressor. Absolutely. I'm so glad you actually said that because people think that the more money you make, like the happier you'll be or the more wealthy you'll be. And that's actually like a complete lie. Mm -hmm. It can help. Absolutely. But it's not going to help if you don't have the financial literacy behind it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that lottery winners are actually like so statistically, and I don't know the, the exact number. I will have to pull it up. (laughs) We'll Google it later. But there are studies that show that if um, people who have won the lottery, a large majority of them are actually worse off just a couple years later. Yeah. Because if you're coming into money, if you still don't know what the fuck you're doing with it, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, you're not going to do very well. Mm -hmm. There's literally that reality show, The Lottery Ruined My Life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's probably what would happen to me. (laughs) And and that's that's why I'm so passionate about this because you – you know, everyone says like knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to financial knowledge, that's so true. And again, we're not talking about like knowing how to read the stock market kind of knowledge. We're talking about basic finances. If you can get that basic financial literacy down, then yeah, you can you can do something pretty significant with your finances and like your money management. I specifically teach um, financial literacy to women. Mm-hmm. Financial literacy is needed across the board. 
um, for everybody, but there is a huge gap, gender gap, um, with financial literacy for women, and which is really unfortunate because women need it more. So I'll give you some stats, some more stats, because I'm nerdy like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I like supporting my shit with, like, <laughs> numbers. <laughs> so one in three women um, stay in abusive relationships. So I used to volunteer. I'll give you a little background before I start spouting off stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to volunteer in women and children's shelters teaching financial literacy to women. And domestic violence and domestic abuse is very multifaceted. So I'm not going to pretend like finances are the only um, thing that play a role in this very difficult kind of dynamic. But one in three women stay in abusive relationships, emotionally and physically, um, abusive relationships because they cannot support themselves through financial means if they were to leave themselves Mm -hmm. or their children. Mm -hmm. The women who do get up the courage to leave, 85% of women generally come back. And a large majority of the reason for that is um, because they haven't been able to take care of themselves financially. Not just um, bringing in an income, but also knowing how to manage their Mm -hmm. finances effectively. So... It's really important that women have these skills so that they have the freedom of choice. You're not staying with someone that because you have to. Mm-hmm. That's that's hurting you emotionally and physically. You're staying with someone because you want to. Um, and then you're capable of obviously getting out of those kinds of situations. And not everyone is in, in that kind of relationship, but it doesn't make it any less important because uh, what is like women make – 87 cents to a man's dollar. So we literally, because we don't have a fucking dick, can do the exact same job as a man and make less money Yeah, doing it. That Bullshit. equates is it, it equates to something like a half a million dollars in our lifetime just because we're women. Doing the same job and the same hours, that's how much less money you'll make. Mm-hmm. So we already are working with less. We leave the home more often. We have breaks in our employment because we take care of kids. We take care of elderly, um, which gives us less resume building opportunities and less experience for the higher incomes, for those jobs that we're looking for. And because we take those breaks, again, we have less opportunities to put savings into our bank accounts or to invest. So those things alone, and we live longer. We actually live longer than men. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So we're living longer with less. <laughs> we're living longer, but we make less. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, our financial literacy is lower. Yeah. So we literally, no pun intended, we cannot afford to not have financial literacy. literacy yeah. Because we're already behind. Mm-hmm. We're already the underdogs. So why women have lower financial literacy? Mm. I think it's like a number of reasons, but I think a lot of it has to do with our... Am I holding this right still? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never done a podcast before. So. You're doing great. So. <laughs> um, we have a lot of like intergenerational imprinting. 
And I know that's like a super fancy word, and I really wanted to say it really bad because it makes me sound smart. <laughs> I was going to say imprinting. That sounds like, uh, fuck, what's that movie? The colon movie with the wolves. Twilight. Twilight. Oh, Twilight. Yeah. Imprinting. Yes, imprinting. Yeah. yeah, but like in a bad way. Yeah. I think in there, yeah. like, it was imprinting like love. In a good way. Yeah. Like, the only bad thing about that situation was her fucking name. What was it? It was Renesme. Oh, Renesme. Renesme. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch, what? Okay, anyway, sorry. You can remember Renesme, but you can't remember the name of the movie. I, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, where were we? Intergenerational imprinting. Yes, intergenerational imprinting. So I think that women tend to be worse with financial literacy um, across the board because of things like intergenerational imprinting. So we have essentially, it's been passed down to us. We have been taught either directly or indirectly what our societal roles are. Maybe we've heard before that men are just better with money. You know what I mean? Oh, that's their role. They handle it. Especially if you're in, like I'm similar to you, like I was married. And there are certain roles that you know, a husband and a wife play or a couple mm-hmm. play or any kind of partnership, they're, everyone fills a certain role, right? And women, historically, have been told what roles that they play. Also, women, they have been, so a lot of times, because men make more money, we just talked about the 87 cents to their $1. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, it's like, I make the money, so I'll decide how to spend it. yes. This honestly drives me bonkers, but it's so true. And I think that a lot of people in like those binary relationships with a man and a woman, they find that like if the man is making more, they feel like, well, because I'm making more, I have more say Mm -hmm. or because I'm making more, I will decide like what roles we're each going to fill or I'm making more. So like you may as well just like trust me to handle the bills and stuff like that. And like how many women come to the end of me nine year relationship off on my own for the first time, really. Like, I moved out of my parents' house, lived with my husband. I had never been on my own before. And then it's, like, trying to learn all of this stuff in your mid-20s when someone else had just been like, well, I'll just take care of it, which is all fine and well while things are going great. But, like, a lot of women get into relationships like that and, like, they're not on the utility bills. They may not even be paying their own cell phone bill. So you're already at a disadvantage because you don't have that financial literacy. Mm -hmm. You don't have the experience in taking care of those things. And then you also leave and you have no fucking credit. A hundred percent. Yeah. And again, like going back to like the stats and numbers, it's like 77% of households um, have like the male counterpart will be covering the finances in terms of like managing them, like mm-hmm. the financial planning. But 85% of the time, the woman is doing the bill paying. Actually, they called it just bill paying, just Ugh. the everyday. I love it when they throw just, just in front of things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Just the everyday bill paying, which they don't know what is in the account. They just know how to go and pay that. That's a problem. That's a huge problem because I'm not saying that I'm not being like the jaded divorced woman. I believe in love. I <laughs> oh, love like, it. I I'll, love I'll love. Fill, I'll fill that role. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but everyone can have their role. Like I don't like to take out the fucking garbage mm-hmm. and Jay doesn't like to scrub the toilet. <laughs> so we each do our thing. Mm-hmm. Um 
when it comes to finances, though, you both need to know. There's mm-hmm. no downside to even if you don't enjoy it that much and your partner does, you just talked about the fact that women outlive men. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful that you love your your partner. And actually, I'm going to just go back to this because I've done a, I've tried to do a little bit of um statistical research into like same sex couples as well. So there's more research uh, um, for women. Mm-hmm. So lesbian couples actually have a lower financial literacy too. So mm-hmm. it's not about household roles. It's gender-based. Mm-hmm. Women just have lower financial literacy. So if you are in that same-sex um, relationship, that like it's even more important mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. to make sure that you are becoming financially literate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like you're almost not set up to fail, but you have like this, you're walking into life with something almost holding you back because of like you talked about like the intergenerational imprinting and just like the roles that we're expected to play. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the moms and the families were expected to stay at home, cook and clean and take care of the kids. They didn't, most of them didn't even make a paycheck. And so I think that it's frustrating for us because the majority of us are like in the workforce and we want to pay our own way and we want financial literacy and we want independence and freedom, but it's not that long ago that that wasn't the norm. And there's still stuff in play in the systems in our country that are putting us at a disadvantage, even though things have totally changed. There's a lot of guys that are staying home with kids Mm -hmm. now or parents are sharing at 50, 50 or however it works for whichever family. But it's it doesn't make sense in the way that society is now. Yeah, that we are being held back. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, there's progress for like, sure. It's definitely like changes being made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like we're still talking eighty seven cents mm-hmm. to the dollar. Yeah. yeah, like that. That's there's still that um, role expectation of what women are going I think they're finding that yes there's more women in the workforce but their like their household responsibilities have not changed yes so they're actually taking on more yeah you're still working 40 hours a week but you're still expected to cook and clean and do the majority of the child rearing Mm -hmm. and whatever else Mm -hmm. on top of that another reason it's more important um, I know we have a lot of female entrepreneurs out there a lot of women who want to work and invest in themselves, which is wonderful, you're going to need money to do that. And yes, you can get like um, in investments from venture capitalists, but like I think there was some stat that was like $82 billion that went into venture capitalists and it was like $1.2 billion of that went to women-led companies, which is 2%. Mm-hmm. invested into women-led companies, which is insane because women actually excel in management and leadership Mm -hmm. and business Mm -hmm. and money. Women excel in finance. Like women financial advisors are doing exceptionally well across the board. So what I'm trying to say is given the same opportunities, women – are supposed to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. We just haven't been given the same opportunities. You you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been taught, it's not your fault. And the worst part about it is with all this bullshit, not having financial literacy, 
whatever age you happen to get at, whether you find that at 20, whether you find that at 30, whether you find that at 40, then comes with it like this sense of shame Mm -hmm. and guilt for not knowing. And then embarrassment for trying to go find good advice, um, to try and go get educated. When I started my personal finance journey, I was younger and I, it all started from a man. (laughs) (laughs) I sat across from a male banker and his condescending tone still rings loudly Mm. in my ear. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I will never fucking feel like this again. I will never sit across from you and have no idea what you're talking about. You know that I have no idea what I'm talking about and talking to me like I'm a small child or an idiot. And I left there and I was like, it was, I remember it being so difficult for me to find information. It -hmm. wasn't something that like we kind of talked about in my family or with my parents. So I just had to start reading books and finding something out and to go get unbiased advice seems next to impossible. Um, and that was kind of what I wanted to change. It's out there. There's a lot of wonderful organizations that are really at the forefront of bringing financial literacy to women. Um, and I guess I just wanted to be a part of that because there's a gap between like women who want to know more and them actually taking that first step to go learning more. Mm -hmm. And I think the gap is confidence and fear and feeling overwhelmed Mm -hmm. because there's so much to know that you're already like, I am so exhausted by the idea of learning about my finances that I'm not even, I'm not even going to get off the couch. Mm -hmm. It's like anything. It's like, I don't even know where to start. So I'm not going to start. hundred percent. And if you don't, again, you don't know what you don't know. Of course you don't know where to start because you know nothing about finances because no one fucking taught you because in school curriculum, they're teaching you how to curl your hair and put on fucking makeup in like, what are those classes? Cosmetology. This cosmetology classes, yeah. which, is, so which is, which is great. Like I'm not taking away from that trade. Yeah. That's great. But I would say that <laughs> learning something about your motherfucking mortgage is more important <laughs> because we're you know what we're gonna learn ourselves how to curl our hair mm-hmm. we just will yeah like we'll figure it out I guarantee you there's gonna be a whole lot less of us that are gonna be like actively figuring out how to properly apply and qualify for a mortgage yeah yeah it's so, so I took business in university and if you don't take business you're not as inclined to take this course. And I took it because I was required to, and it was finance, but it was just intro to finance. And there was all that kind of stuff about mortgages, whatever. Do you think I even cared? I mean, I took HR. So I was like, why do I need this? I don't need finance. And so even at the age of 19, I was like, I'm just going to do this course so that I can get my diploma degree. And I did it, but then I left and I was like, I don't need yeah, it. Exactly. It my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Make room for something else. Yeah. Right? Because it's not instilled how important it is from a mm-hmm. young age. Like, I do remember my mom was always very good about being like, you need to save. But that was kind of like as far as it I was gonna stuck say, with me. Same. Like, I remember mm-hmm. being told to like save 10%. Okay, I'm 18. I have a job. I have a boyfriend. I want to go party every weekend. Did I save any fucking money? 
No. no. Yeah, I think I saved enough to pay for my first year or my first like maybe three terms of tuition in university. And then by the fourth, I was like, no, like I don't, this isn't a priority. I'm like wasting money mm-hmm. on other stuff. And I had to go to my parents' house for money for my last term <laughs> of college. Cause I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like, like why isn't there a money management course in high school? Mm-hmm. We take calm. I do remember having to do like manual calculations to figure out how much a mortgage payment would be. Like this is literally the only financial thing I remember from high school. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't really helpful anyway, because it's totally out of context. It's something that I can't even fathom at this point. Yeah. That's the hard part about it is they're asking you to think about someone, um, your future self. Mm -hmm. And when you're being asked to talk about your future, think or talk about your future self, that is it. Something changes in your brain where you're no longer connected or attached to that person. They become a stranger. So what people are asking you to do is, is think and make decisions and make sacrifices now for this stranger. That's like how your brain actually reacts to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Especially is, a teenager, mm-hmm. asking a teenager to try and think like yeah, that. Yeah, because, you know, your teenage brain isn't even developed. Teenagers are, mm-hmm. well, teenagers are idiots. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was gonna we've say, all been there. I complain a lot about how, like, we weren't educated enough in high school about, like, certain things. But now that we're having this conversation, I'm like... I was 19 and didn't care. So do you think I would have given a shit when I was in high school? Probably not. But imagine if there had been a course in high school. Most of us had part-time jobs in high school. Imagine if there had been a course that was tailored to us. Like, here's how to manage. You're making, I remember I worked at Fabby 10 and my paychecks were like $213 every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Imagine a course that was just teaching you how to budget with that. Because then you can, it's almost like practice mm-hmm. before you're thrown into the real world. You know what? I would even go a step further and I said that I don't think the missing part is like the cuz like you said, I probably wouldn't have given a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I we're that age and we want to do something else and I don't care because all you're being taught is kind of the mechanics behind the savings. Mm-hmm. I think the what's being missed is the money mindset. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what's being missed is like the importance of it. The like, let me show you what wealth really looks like, mm-hmm. because right now it's so far from, uh, like, there you're. Yes, let's budget for a mortgage. You're like 19. You're like, I'm not gonna fuck yeah. my house. Like, that's not doing anything mm-hmm. for me. It's such an abstract thought at that point. Yeah, and when when we teach finance, we always start with mindset, because I give the analogy like when you're going to work out, you want to get physically fit, you every expert will tell you it's like 80% diet, 20% like your technique in the gym and the actual like weights you're lifting. And getting financially fit is really similar. You have to have 80% money mindset. You have to understand your mindset. You have to be aware of it and you have to adjust to it or adjust it. And 20% is the actual like application. Mm. It's the getting your re looking at your finances you know quarterly it's getting your little budget spreadsheet it's understanding like your investment portfolio like that's 20 percent of it Mm -hmm. literally the first 80 percent like that that foundation is built on understanding how you think about money why you spend the way you do understanding your spending habits is a huge first step to getting like financially um financially organized okay and that's a common question that people ask usually in in situations like this the first thing people always say is is that where where do we start 
right? Because mm-hmm. again, it's super broad. Like you said, you got a ton of questions and they were all individualized. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of them was like, what the fuck is a TFSA? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we could probably talk one session just about the difference between RRSPs, RESPs, and TFSAs. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of information to know and you should know them. And we should do. We should do. Mm-hmm. We're going to start calling this like, there's going to be three of us. Three girls, one broadcast. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> we'll have to get new coasters, but that's fine. <laughs> we just put a sticker on the table. <laughs> just a sticker, yeah. We're going to have to, because what did you say? It costs like $200 to for get the this, logo. For the logo. Yeah, cost. yeah. Yeah. We'll fix that with a yeah. sticker. Yeah. Dollar Jack's store. boyfriend can use... Um, with the photo editor yeah, thing. photo editor. Yeah. Little, way, little photo ways shop. around this. So what you're saying is it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to like, yeah, say no to anything too soon. <laughs> so where do you start then? Um, well, with that money mindset, mm-hmm. with understanding money mindset. So people hate that answer because they were like, show me the money. Like, yeah. how do I invest? Yeah. Um, but if we go back to even the analogy, like, or the example of the millionaires, like people winning a lottery, like if you don't, if you don't understand the foundation, kind of knowing that isn't, isn't going to be super helpful Mm -hmm. outside of the money mindset. So with money mindset, I would give like, um, there's good money mindset quizzes Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. ways to understand how you think about money. Cause I'll give you an example of money mindset. Uh, some people feel when they think about money, like money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Or they will feel guilty for an inheritance. Undeserving, maybe. Okay. These are all stem from something. There's a reason you have these thoughts about money. And they will influence the way that you then manage and spend money. Okay. A lot of it is imprinted from, like generationally so how our family what our mom and dad taught us about money and what they taught them about money and so on and so forth good news is like family abuse you can be the one that changes that cycle you can be the one that decides to do something different but again you can't do that without understanding it and without awareness so that's why the money mindset quiz is so awesome back to like the actual like tactile stuff Mm -hmm. like the stuff you can really start using and applying right away um is you have to understand where you're at I give finances um the analogy when you're trying to figure out your finances and get organized it's kind of like a big road map and on a map there's three things like without the map it's like without these three things the map is useless so you need to understand where you are on the map Mm. You need to understand where you want to go, and then you need to understand the, like, most effective route to get there. Then you can start building that, right? Mm -hmm. So step one, to answer your question, outside of mindset, would be finding out where you are. And that's a really big step because it's, um, it's kind of an emotional journey. Like, figure out where you are financially because you have to get really fucking honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Because that involves, like, looking at your spending habits and looking at where your money might be going and, you know, having to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, poor choices were made. (laughs) (laughs) Mistakes were made. (laughs) Too much money on takeout. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and this is where you were talking about like that guilt and shame. Like I think personally, like that holds me back from, I mean, we had a Zoom call a couple weeks ago to kind of plan for this episode. And I was like, I feel so motivated from this. Like I'm going to get on this and I haven't done anything because I'm like, it is very intimidating to try and sit down and look at your finances because I'm like, I know that I'm not spending my money very yes. responsibly in some areas. I know that I order way too much takeout. Um, I know that like there are expenses in my life that are absolutely not necessary and not even really making me happy. It's not like oh, I'm spending this much money a month on this, but it's like my passion or something. It's just like, yes. it's basically money I'm flushing down the toilet and it's hurting me now because I have stress about money and it's hurting me yeah. in the long run. So yeah, it's getting over that kind of hurdle of yes. that guilt and shame because until you do that, you really can't go anywhere. Absolutely. It is like a hundred percent necessary part of the whole process. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel shitty. Mm -hmm. Like the punch in the gut is going to hurt less if you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. So this is me telling you it's coming. (laughs) But it's what is really awesome is if you've ever gone to bed feeling um, crappy or losing sleep over finances, Mm -hmm. this step in itself is going to help you. Because we're always scared of the unknown. And once we just bring that fucking demon into the light, Mm -hmm. then we know it's there. We can start addressing it. And that's really empowering. When we're like, okay, yes. Oh, all right. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was 20,000 a debt. It's 25. (laughs) That sucks. That hurts my feelings. But it's there. (laughs) And now I can do something about it. So like, yes. Get a bottle of wine and maybe two and your finances <laughs> and start to work through them. Mm-hmm. Get honest with yourself and just like like time block that one day to feel shitty. You're allowed <laughs> to feel crappy. A lot of us are coming from, and I've been there too. I only say this because I've experienced the exact same thing and come out on the other side of it. I have seen the effect it has. I have paid off $30,000 worth of debt. And got to the other side to then be living completely debt-free in a place that is leading towards, like, complete financial freedom at a fairly young age mm-hmm. in a very small amount of time because I went through that process. I sat down and I said, what do, where am I? Where am I on this fucking map? Mm-hmm. And got really honest with myself, looked at my financials, and then was able to make changes from there to see mostly that I was spending money where it wasn't bringing me joy and happiness. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. I'm like, where does a lot of my money – okay, a lot of money at this this point goes to, like, just paying towards debt Mm -hmm. and not even making a big dent in it. And then, you know, money on eating out, money on fucking – the nicotine USB that I'm addicted to, <laughs> money on the car. I like, I literally curse this. I bought a brand new car. I curse it every other day because it drives me crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not bringing me happiness. I'm like, this is where so much of my, what could be like wealth. Yeah. And I'm just basically like flushing it down the toilet. Yeah. It's so cool that you said that because it's a, uh, it's such a huge, we <laughs> common. <laughs> like the emphasis on that. <laughs> like that's not just big guys. It's, real big (laughs) Uh, mistake that so many of us make Mm -hmm. people think like new car new house big house are like the biggest threats to our wealth Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with thinking it'll make us happier than it does 
something crazy when it comes to like vehicles. Apparently, Canada's really bad, North America in general, but Canada's awful with their new vehicles. Like it is just a thing. Like we have to have these new vehicles, and these new vehicles are killing our wealth. Yeah. And I think about the decision making that went into me purchasing this vehicle. I was renting. My rent was extremely affordable at the time. And I got approved for a mortgage, but I was feeling kind of like lost. I was like, I don't really know if I want to go and like buy a place on my own. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I've never had a new vehicle. My old vehicle was always in the shop and I was just sick of it. So I was like, I'm going to buy a new vehicle so that I don't have to worry about paying three, four hundred dollars here and there to get this vehicle roadworthy. Mm-hmm. I'm paying four hundred and fifty dollars a month for this vehicle and I've still had it back at the dealership like four times for shit that's yep. gone wrong with it. Like it didn't save me any time or energy. It's mm-hmm. costing me way more than the other one. And I'm like, I could have bought a house two years ago instead of paying for this fucking vehicle that drives me bonkers and now I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, I would highly suggest um, as a huge piece of advice not purchasing a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, you can purchase the same vehicle that might be a year old and it'll be thousands of dollars left. Mm -hmm. It depreciates so much when you drive it off the lot. There is a reason if you look at some of the most wealthy people in the world, the Warren Buffetts and like they don't drive brand new vehicles. Or what they, what they do if you're driving that brand new vehicle is they've kept it for an extended period of time. Yeah. Right? They didn't drive it for a few years and get a new one. Drive it for a few years and get a new one. I have a 2014. It got bought new and I will drive it into the fucking ground. Yeah, till it dies. Because I don't have any payments on it. Mm-hmm. And so that now what I'm doing is then you, you have an opportunity to put away to an extent, mm-hmm. to then purchase something else gently used mm-hmm. in good condition because you can buy new and get a fucking lemon and still put mm-hmm. all this money into it. Like, it, it's not a good space to put your money. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, how much time a day do I spend in that car? 45 minutes. Is it making me yeah. that happy? Do and I really care think, that much? People think it'll bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. And they think this about a lot of things until you get real with yourself about – You know, that's one of the biggest money myths and lies is that happiness is expensive Mm -hmm. and it's not. You're just, you're wasting it on expensive things, thinking it'll bring you happiness and it doesn't. Like you said, it brings you heartache. It brings you stress because you are now having to make this money and make these payments and live paycheck to paycheck when you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You could be driving something else that you probably like or dislike just as much. That's a whole yeah. hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, no kidding. Like if you're going to be cursing something, like curse the old beater then that you have to be driving. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mine's going right into the ground. Like yeah. that mm-hmm. is how long I'm driving it for. But like, it's funny because some people, like when we're on the car topic, like some people will say like, you know, how much is it costing you to take it into the shop? And then I'm like, okay, it's annoying. Like I hate. My car's a little bit older and I've had to take it into the shop a couple times within the last year. But to me, 
yes, it's stressful to still have to pay like that thousand dollars to fix it. But I'm like, that's a thousand dollars. And then what? I probably get another year out of it before I have to put another thousand in. So at least I'm not paying a monthly payment for it. Right. And it's still cheaper per year than a car payment would be. And this was the thinking that kind of tripped me up is I was like, I'm so sick of this old car nickel and diming me. I'm just going to go buy something new. Like, damn, I never spent much this much per year on a vehicle as I have now with a new vehicle. A hundred percent. And is it nickel and diming you? It feels like it because it sucks when you're like, $300. Like, yeah, I went and like had to get a full service on my vehicle and it, they ended up having to fix something and it was like $500. And I was like, yeah. so, I'm so annoying yeah. spending money on this. But then I'm like, oh, I haven't had a vehicle payment in like yeah. Two years. And like, what are you going to use to get around? Like, you have to put a little bit into it to it keep it moving. It is something <laughs> yeah. that does require you to continue to invest money in it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're thinking about having a vehicle, driving a vehicle, and you're not going to be taking the bus, be prepared to have to invest mm-hmm. in keeping it roadworthy. Yeah. That's it. So the, it isn't, and it's com- that's a common one. People, you maybe you'll get to a point where you're like, yeah, okay, I've spent $1,000 every month to keep this engine yes. working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time to go buy something new. Yeah. But not brand new. Just go mm-hmm. buy something newer, mm-hmm. right, that someone else bought brand new and then is selling a year later and saving you, like, $20,000. Yeah. Right? It, like, it's it's crazy. They're also not showing you how much it's really costing you because then you have the the, the cost of borrowing, to purchase right. a vehicle. So those interest rates, people are not understanding how much they're working against them. Then maybe you have someone say, oh, well, it's interest-free for two years. They actually do this a lot with um, like appliances and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they'll say, come in, get all these appliances, and it'll be interest-free for two years. In the fine print, they don't show you, like, how ridiculous that interest gets yeah. if in the two years you can't pay it off completely. Mm-hmm. Something, and then the, they, like, backdate it, too. They'll, like, backdate oh it from, the, from, from when you borrowed the money, not from that point. Oh, I like, didn't there's, know that. That's crazy. They, they, That's terrifying. They definitely can. It's so – and people don't – that's two years away. Yeah. yeah, I'll worry about it then later. Yeah. yeah, and it costs them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. This is a benefit to being um, having having control over your finances in terms of um, cash flow. Mm-hmm. And when I say cash flow, I mean your income versus your expenses. Mm-hmm. So I will give you the best, most amazing financial advice. <laughs> ever. If you want to get wealthy, you need to know this one thing. Your listeners are going to be so excited because this will make them rich. Ready? Ready. Yes. Make me rich. Do not spend more than you earn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great piece of advice. And I promise you, I promise you, if you can follow this, Wealth will follow you. (laughs) And it seems so simple. Like, we're dying laughing. But honestly, I'm like, when was the last time that I made more than I spent? Right? But you want to know, do you want to know why? Is because you probably don't have a good handle 
on exactly how much you spend. Oh, God, no. I have literally no idea. No idea. And that's all it comes down to. <laughs> like, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying get uncomfortable with understanding where you're at. Because mm-hmm. that changes the game completely. And then you're looking at it. And then you start to be like, yeah, I don't – I'm." I spent fucking $1,000 on takeout a month. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden your takeout doesn't taste so good and Mm -hmm. you're not doing it. I mean, yeah, that's like, you know, I'm just thinking like I'm scared because after this episode, for sure I'm doing this. Like, So the the biggest suggestion I guess you're saying to start is to print out or look at your monthly statements for how long, would you say? So you want to do at least three months on average. I find it's... Yeah, I'm going to just say three months. I'm going to make this as simple as possible. What we're actually going to do is mm-hmm. we have some fun stuff for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we are going to do like a where the fuck am I package. <laughs> so for all your listeners, if they want to go to it, we will provide it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give a link and it's going to give like a money mindset quiz. So it's going to help you figure out your money mindset. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to help you figure out where the fuck you are right now with your finances. Mm-hmm. And that is determining your net worth. Mm-hmm. Your net worth is your overall financial health. And it looks at your assets, which is everything you own. And then it looks at your liabilities, which is everything you owe. Okay. And it subtracts the two. Mm-hmm. Whatever number is left over is called your net worth. And your net worth, if it's positive... Mm-hmm. Means you're not in debt. And if it's negative, mine will not be positive. (laughs) So, like I said, this might be a bit of a painful experience. But it's good because then your demons are in the light and then Mm. you can start making progress from there. So, be aware that um, it's super common and it is okay if it's not positive. If you're not in the black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're in the red, you know what? Me too. Me too, bud. I was there. We we I think we've all been there. Mm-hmm. So just recognize that you can be there and then you can make change. Mm-hmm. But you cannot make changes if you don't know you're there. You cannot make change if you're not confronting the fact that you're there. Yeah, so I've tried like many times to make a budget and somehow it just falls yes. right off. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so that's like dieting, right? Mm-hmm. Like yo-yo doesn't yeah. work. It's because um Okay, so I'll come back to that in yep. a second because we'll do that. We'll in that in this little like um, goodie package everyone's gonna get. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. You're gonna determine like your net worth just to see where you're at for financial health, and then um, we're gonna do like a cash flow summary, which is gonna show the what you have coming in versus what you have going out. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna list all your expenses and you're gonna list your income. And then from those expenses, you're going to be able to break them into categories to see what your spending habits are. Mm -hmm. So then that's the moment that you have kind of these epiphanies that are like, ooh, yeah, yeah, way too much on takeout, Mm. way too much on whatever that is. (laughs) A vape. (laughs) Your vape. My my knockoff jewel. (laughs) It's rose gold. It's like cute. Oh, my God. Problems. It's so funny because we're, we're, we're like being pressured to do Sober October and we're like, no, we're not doing that. And I was like, I'm going to quit smoking or like vaping this month. Like I've not done anything. I'm like, we're on like the eighth. So that didn't work. I did not. It did not even last one day. You're like, I didn't even start. We so were. are you late to the party or you're just not doing it at all? Or you're undecided? I think I'm pre-contemplative. I know that it's something I should do, but I have not taken the steps to do it. 
what? Right. Pre-contemplative? About what? Quitting vaping. Oh. <laughs> I just like really like it. My mom's going to listen to this and be like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just something I want to do and I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's finances. In a nutshell, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I used to do... I don't know if I've really talked about this, but I was a probation officer in another life. And we did something called motivational interviewing, which is like cognitive behavioral therapy based. And they talked about like the stages of people in goal setting and then achieving goals. And pre-contemplative is when you're like, I know that this is an issue and I know that it's something that I should do, but I'm not quite prepared to take any steps towards it yet. So I'm just going to sit here and like stress out about it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Which same with money. I think a lot of us are sitting in that pre-contemplative. I know this is an issue. I know I just keep owing more and more money on my credit cards or whatever. But like I just like A, don't know where to start and B, I'm scared to start. So ultimately, once you understand your spending habits, mm-hmm. so when you go through those like three months worth of financials, when you're looking at your bank statements, you're seeing where the money out is going, you put them into categories and you see like those spending habits. And from that is where you create that budget. We don't call it a budget because no one likes the word budget, <laughs> just like they don't really like the word diet. Mm-hmm. What we call it is a spending plan. We were kind of talking about this before. Um, the beauty of a spending plan, <laughs> <laughs> just making sure I'm holding the mic right so I don't get yelled at. <laughs> the beauty of a spending plan is um, you're literally allocating money to use for your enjoyment which is what life is about, Mm -hmm. which is like makes it – you want to take the guilt out of the spending because money is made to be spent in one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a spending plan and you allocate a certain amount of money towards your investment in your savings and you do that and it's gone and then you allocate a certain amount of money for the spending and the fun and the enjoyment and the the boots and the vaping and the wine and the takeout (laughs) and the whatever – then you do that joyfully. Mm-hmm. And the point um, that I'm trying to get across to people is you can live your life joyfully, enjoy the things you like, the things you actually like, not the things that your money, you're wasting your money on that you don't actually enjoy, mm-hmm. which is the point of that process, right? right? Here are the things I don't really enjoy. Let's take all the money from those, make sure we put some into savings and s- to, to take care of ourselves later, mm-hmm. and let's put some into living our fucking life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's... It's quite easy process to do once you have those steps laid out for you. So we are going to throw that in our little like, where the fuck are you package mm-hmm. that we're going to like provide for everybody, um, and kind of get give someone like give people like actionable places to feel like they're getting control of their finances because we can talk all day about like motivating the fuck out of people to go and do something like a good example is like when we talked right Mm -hmm. when we did our original zoom conversation about this podcast you were like yeah i was motivated as fuck and then what did you do nothing (laughs) (laughs) literally dick shit all (laughs) now why didn't you do anything because i didn't know where to start right you didn't have that actual Mm -hmm. like the actionable stuff yes. to start applying these and tangible like resources mm-hmm. to be able to 
go and see, okay, like I can do boom, 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 check off this, this, and this, and then this gives me my starting point. And then once the ball gets rolling that way, you start taking over. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm here to do, all I want to do. That's all you need to do when you're trying to develop financial literacy in people is to help them get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. I'm just here for a leg up. I'm not a fucking financial expert. <laughs> like I don't have the credentials. I work with the most educated people in the industry. I collaborate with um, the most qualified woman financial advisor in Canada. And so we're putting together great stuff for people. Mm -hmm. But my role in this entire thing is to show that an average person, there is nothing above average about me financially. And I can build wealth. I can come out of debt with very, very simple strategies. Mm-hmm. So all I'm trying to do is show other women, people in general, women specifically, that they can do that too. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they can't. And I want to give them the action, actionable tools to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. can be average Joe, plain Jane, <laughs> and you can do this. Exactly. So, yeah, that's what we got. That's what we got for you. <laughs> okay, I already forgot the question. I was supposed to ask you. <laughs> Literally like sucking at hosting you. Take a take a pee break. Little like debrief. How are we gonna do the rest of this episode? I'm like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) we're like, let's make a plan. And all we did was pour more wine. (laughs) So Amanda, (laughs) I apologize for the shit show that we are. (laughs) But welcome to uh, our house. Um, (laughs) We are curious. What is the best? piece or few or more financial advice that you've gotten? Good question. (laughs) The best advice that I have gotten, I would say, and I didn't, well, I did receive the advice, not from someone specifically. I read it. And I read it when I was 19 years old and I read it in a book. Um, It was called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Mm Mm-mm get it. (laughs) Throw this plug in there for you, David. I don't know, David, personally. (laughs) But um, it changed my life. I read it when I was younger, luckily, and he gave two really great pieces of advice that has been reiterated and regurgitated and I've, like, through a lot of other platforms, um, financial platforms. You want to make your finances, so you want to pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. So what we tend to do when we're building our spending plan is we take a look at it and we say, okay, after we've paid all of our expenses, so so we get an income, that goes into our bank account, then we pay everything else. We pay the expenses, we pay the mortgage, we pay, you know, we do our spending, and then we're left with the $50. So we take that $50 and we save it. And then we're paying ourselves last. Mm -hmm. And that is why we are living in debt. And that a lot of consumer debt. And that is why our savings is so low and our net worth is so low is because we aren't paying ourselves first. The government does it right. Like if you get paid, if you're an employee, when you get your paycheck, you don't get, you get get your net income. You get what 
after the government has taken their money, mm -hmm. then you get theirs. They do that because <laughs> they don't trust us to pay them, so they're gonna take it. <laughs> right, rightfully fucking so. Look at us. Look at us. We're a bunch of messes. Like they, they obviously do it the more intelligent way. And like, I'm not an advocate for the government. You know, they're listening right now, so we yeah, better, exactly. be, <laughs> better say nice things about them. <laughs> say hello to our FBI agents. <laughs> they, they know that it's less likely that you are going to be able to be thinking of that bill you have to pay later. So they'll just take it now. We need to do the same thing for ourselves. We need to be top priority. It's not about looking at what we have left and then deciding what we're worth. Mm -hmm. Decide what we're worth first, take that off right away, and then figure out how you're going to find um, enough money to pay for everything else. And that's where the budget cutting comes in. That's where you saying, oh, I only have this amount of money left. Maybe I don't need the added channels on, maybe I don't fucking need Disney Plus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where you start making your cuts because that money that you paid yourself first is a necessity. We are not setting ourselves as a priority. Mm -hmm. So learning that was was hugely significant for me. And then he says, and then make it automatic. Make those payments to yourself and those savings automatic instantly. Do it the second you get paid. So the same day that you get paid, Set up an automated payment mm -hmm. on your online banking for that to go somewhere else. Yeah. We have an emotional attachment to our money. It's painful for us to have to go in there and physically remove it to put it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Unless it seems we're buying like a really expensive purse or a pair of boots and we're super happy about it. Then we're like, take our money, make it a rain. <laughs> but if it's like paying ourselves and like putting it away for our future self, that's hard for us to do. But if it's automatic and then it starts to become habit and it happens all the time, the day you get paid and that money goes out, what you see in your bank account is just always, always what it is, mm -hmm. right? Like you have no like, oh, it was this and then it was that. No, it just... Was this some places at work will even do that for you? Mm -hmm. So if you have direct deposit, they will deposit a certain amount into your checking account and automatically the other portion into your investment account or your savings account. Mm -hmm. So you actually never even fucking see it. We need to trick ourselves mm -hmm. at this point. <laughs> totally. Like totally. I even felt like that when I had my car payment, right? Like I was like, Every second Friday, it's gone. It's not my money. Mm -hmm. And it just was never there. So I was yep. never too worried about it, right? Exactly. So why don't we do the same thing for ourselves? Why don't we do the same thing yeah. for ourselves? Mm -hmm. And it makes a huge difference. I, I learned that when I was young. It takes – it maybe takes an hour to set up, right? Like you are calling different – your bank or whatever to do your automated payments and blah, blah, blah. You set it up and you literally forget about it. And mm. by the time – that me and my ex-husband separated, I had been doing it for so long, 10 years, that that money was there when I needed it. Mm -hmm. I actually used it as a down payment on my home that I purchased myself separate from this whole like debacle of a divorce. And it was, it saved me, mm -hmm. really. It gave me options and it gave me freedom and it wasn't painful to do. People think you need to make sacrifice in order to live happily and you don't. Because trust me, once I built that habit, I didn't even know I was missing the money. Mm -hmm. So it was like, 
Christmas. And I had all this money sitting there. And I was like, well, thank you, Past Amanda, for being so, so kind to future Amanda. So those two things, are, they're so easy. This is why they're so powerful. They're so easy. And it's, they're so actionable. Like you can put it into play right away. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to do. And the ROI on it mm-hmm. is so massive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those would probably be my two biggest pieces of, of advice. financial advice. Yeah. yeah. It's not there. It's not mine. I'm just <laughs> David, buddy. <laughs> Way to go. David Bach. <laughs> Automatic millionaire. Go get it. Okay. So, David, if you happen to listen to this podcast. <laughs> You all mend us some money, and we, we know we've made it when. when? <laughs> David Bach is showing your staff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, like, looking at this entire conversation all about, like, money management and just, like, knowing more about money and, like, financial freedom and all of this, like, what is, like, the ultimate goal that people should have in mind coming out of this? I'm just looking to build confidence. Mm-hmm. And that starts small. Like we said, it's very overwhelming and it's easy to not do anything because it's so overwhelming. I want people to see it's not, I mean, we're sitting here drinking wine, talking about finances. It's not as hard and as painful as people have been leading you to believe. And if you are learning and you're getting financial advice from someone who is using giant words, they're doing it either to make you feel stupid or to make themselves feel better and smarter Mm. because there's actually no reason to not have a conversation in which you are like yeah I'm just completely fucking lost I've shut you off I'm walking away now so I just want to instill some confidence in women if they if you give a woman confidence and you empower her she will accomplish some awesome shit Mm mm-hmm And that's all we're going to do here, I think, if we can just get people comfortable with asking the right questions and taking small, actionable steps, they will see a huge impact on their life. The thing about empowering a woman financially with financial literacy is it doesn't just impact her. Mm -hmm. It hugely impacts her family and her community at large. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like women going into business or finance or they, they – we just have such a huge ripple effect. Um, and you can't do that unless you have the confidence first. So that's all it is. Get, get a little educated a little bit every day. It's not about knowing everything at once. It's about slowly learning. My process has been just learning a little bit at a time, learning the right questions to ask you start connecting with the right people. You start being more mindful about it. Like you guys can hold each other accountable mm-hmm. as you're learning together. So then it comes, it becomes like you wanting each other to win. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it comes down to you being like, you know what? I really like that new car smell. Maybe I should get a new one. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, be no, like do you remember how much you hated? Do you want to get a house, bitch? Literally <laughs> like three hours ago. I was like, so like, should we order food before Amanda gets over? Jack was like, or we could make something. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's Yeah, I'm already <laughs> trying. I'm already trying. See yeah. that we need, just need to lift each other up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boyfriend texts me on the way here. Do you want any McDonald's? I said, there is pasta and burgers in the fridge and freezer. So uh, feel free. And he was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And it's better for you. <laughs> yeah. It's healthier. It's a healthier I, I don't think he stopped at McDonald's. So doing my part, guys. Doing my yeah. Good work. I appreciate so you. <laughs> um, so that's ultimately the goal. It's just it, the momentum will be huge when mm-hmm. you start getting started. And I know everyone says this, right? 
Like that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Like that first step in the gym and that commitment to do it. And just even if it's listening to some of the podcasts, like, yeah, just lie there and listen to it, mm-hmm. right? A little bit at a time, get the resources, filter through it maybe for five minutes out of the 30 minutes that you're going to sit there and scroll through Instagram anyways. Yeah. Um, and then you start to get a little more empowered. You start to do a little bit more. You start to be more mindful about those purchases and shit starts to happen. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's all we're trying to achieve. Not to do something gigantic all at once. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, tomorrow. Yeah. We're gonna, I'm gonna wake up a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, a, a journey. And it can be a fun one if you choose for it to be. Um, mm-hmm. Moments of like, yeah, you might need a little couple bottles of wine to get through it. And that is fine because wine is fun too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. So nice. So, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing we were talking about is going through those, like, money myths and yeah, lies. So I think, mm, yes. Yeah. I think what holds people back a lot is they have this misconception over what developing wealth looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that you need to make this gigantic income in order to develop wealth. I know I've worked with a lot of women who are like, well, I just don't make enough money. So then they don't even take actionable steps because they just don't think it'll do any good anyways. I mean, you can make $50,000 a year and do just fine mm-hmm. if you're man. It doesn't – your wealth and your financial freedom hinges on how you spend money. Mm-hmm. It, it hinges on your expenses, not your income. It comes back to managing those effectively. And once you have those skills, then, I mean, you can do it off of 50000 and then even better, off of a hundred. And mm-hmm. Like we were saying before, then you're – your income increases. So what happens? You spend more. Mm-hmm. So your income increasing doesn't equal more wealth. Your income increasing a lot of the time can equal more spending mm-hmm. or more debt because then you're like, oh. Oh, I have all this money. So mm-hmm. then I can yeah. buy the bigger home that actually doesn't bring me more happiness. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge one. People think that you need more um, more money. People think you need to forfeit living happily now mm-hmm. in order to like retire comfortably. Yeah. Retirement is important. I was actually having this conversation. So I was telling you guys, like I collaborate with like an expert mm-hmm. a financial advisor here in Edmonton. And I was telling her like these levels of financial freedom that I want to help um, women achieve. And it's nice to have levels because financial freedom is like a journey. Developing mm-hmm. wealth is a journey. You can hit this first level and then you're like, you're excited. You're stoked about it. You, you're hitting your goals. It keeps you going. Because mm-hmm. when we're talking about like 25 years down the line, you're like, well, that is a long time away. Yeah, it mm-hmm. feels so far out of reach. And if you have to sacrifice that now, like we were saying, like, what, you want me to eat bologna sandwiches and, like, live by candlelight so I can save all this money so that I'm sacrificing doing anything fun in order to, like, possibly be able to enjoy it when I'm old? And, like, we were just sitting here having a conversation. Like, no, I want to go on a vacation with my boyfriend and be topless on a beach. Like, I was going to say, have my boobs out. Yeah, like, I want to... I want to live that now because I'll probably have my boobs out when I'm 80 too, but I'm not going to look They're as good. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so like, why don't we live life now? And people think you can't do that if you're too busy saving to develop wealth. Mm-hmm. Not true. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely do that. That comes back to cutting out the shit that doesn't actually make you happy. Mm-hmm. Redirecting your money mm-hmm. to make sure it's serving you. And if that's a holiday, great. 
go on your holiday because you've already automatically paid yourself first, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Happiness is expensive. So that's another big myth. Happiness is not expensive. I mean, I guess it can be, but it depends what makes you happy. Stop setting that standard based on how other people are living their life. I know we have a lot of that in North America, like keeping up with the Joneses. I live in a cute little cottagey home. I love it. I'm going to have it paid off in five years, which is pretty big deal yep. considering it was like a 25-year mortgage mm-hmm. um, because I can afford it. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's mine. I'm not living above my means. All that extra money is going to developing my wealth, giving me that freedom and that security. And then one day I can move into something bigger when it's makes more fiscal sense mm-hmm. because I'm not worried about – it's not going to bring me more happiness to what? Say that I have a six-bedroom instead of the three-bedroom? Yeah. Like, let's get real with ourselves. So, like, it, having a bigger, fancier, newer car, is it making you happier? Mm-hmm. Is it? No. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. I think it isn't. No. no, it is not making me happier. <laughs> She's like, wait, what? We You're just like, talked about this. Um, sorry. I misunderstood. <laughs> so I think people think that in order to be, yeah, like have wealth or be wealthy or be happy that, you know, it's super expensive. I mean, a lot of money. Like going to Rimrock is nice. Mm-hmm. We both had like a weekend, not together, but. I know, wasn't it like back to back almost? Yeah, so yeah. me and Jay went um, the weekend before you guys yeah. went. Yeah. Because I was like, I saw your tag in it on Instagram and I was like, oh, we went there too. <laughs> yeah. And it was so nice. And yeah. it is expensive. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was nice. It was happy. But I said to Jay, I wouldn't want to do that all the time. No. Like yeah. we, right. mm-hmm. we go on the river a lot and we do a lot of camping. Not now that the weather's getting shitty, but that was that's like our summer gig. That's usually mm-hmm. our date night, which costs very little. We get food to go out and gas to put in the boat, mm-hmm. which is again paid off. And mm-hmm. like it's just, and those date nights are sometimes more fun than the fancy mm-hmm. hotel and the whatever. So just be mindful about what is actually making you happy, and it's not necessarily or usually not correlated with money, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, debt is a fact of life. This is a funny one because people, we live in a very consumer debt society. Mm -hmm. So people think that is just very, very normal to be like, when you're like, hey, how much money do you have? People will be like, well, I have like $4,000 worth of room on my credit card. So you have $4,000 worth of money to spend. And I say this because I, I have been that person and thought that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, of course I can afford that because there's tons of room on my credit card. So people don't understand how having debt, the interest that's associated with that, actually ends up affecting their wealth as well. And we don't have to live in a debt-ridden society. Mm -hmm. You can use your credit card. There are some advantages to having a credit card. And if you use it effectively and you get your, like, cashback rewards and you pay it at the end of the month, these are all, like – wonderful strategies that I hope we get to talk about in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, you can use those, but what happens is people overuse them and they end up living in debt and they are normalizing. We're normalizing yeah. debt. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And again, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we go into debt to start a business. 
maybe we go into debt to purchase a home. Mm -hmm. Those are going to build us equity. Going into debt to have a depreciating asset like a vehicle might not be the best strategy. Going into debt to go on a holiday Mm -hmm. might not be the best strategy. But we normalize it. We think it's fine because everyone else is doing it. Mm -hmm. And that is what separates the wealthy from the middle class, from the poor. Mm -hmm is the mindset around what debt actually is. Mm. So I think we need to normalize, like, debt as being uncool, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, debt's just a big <laughs> bully, and we need to stop looking at it like we want to be friends with it. We don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want debt. to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want Fuck to anymore. You. Yeah, friends <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Having a breakup with debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should call one of the episodes. Mm. Debt breakup. Mm-hmm. Up I've debt. gotten like mm-hmm. pretty good at breakups in the past few years. So <laughs> this is my next one. <laughs> You're running that one. I'm deserving for the show. <laughs> Listen, it's not you. It's me. Actually, it's it's you. <laughs> it's entirely you and your 19.9% interest rate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have a credit card, seriously, pay that shit off. That interest rate is too high. It's crazy. Ridiculous. And there's so many good um, debt repayment strategies mm-hmm. that we have and that we're working on, that we're rolling out. There are these resources and these tools for people if you're feeling overwhelmed or scared or like there is just no hope for you to get a handle on this. I promise you that's not the case mm-hmm. because I've been there and I've worked with women who have been there and we all get on the other side of that and it's not as hard as we think it is um, or you've been led to believe yeah. because again, not your fault. If you don't know what you don't know, no mm-hmm. one's been there to teach it to you or provide it to you in like an easy to understand way and that's what makes me so excited. Yeah. That's a good idea for a future episode yeah. too is like debt consolidation. Mm-hmm. And the then, options surrounding right, that, right? Totally. Yeah. And yeah, me and Jack have been lucky because we have a really good financial advisor and I don't know where I would honestly be right now if we didn't have him. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, just looking at like, well, I have like two different credit cards and I have like two different lines of credit and then I have this car payment. So I have like five different payments every month going to all this debt. Like what can I do about this? I think there are things that you can do at least to roll it all into one payment and maybe even have less interest on it. Absolutely. And that like kind of rolls me into like that the other myth about um, like money management, like money myths is that saving and investing and under, understanding your finances is, is difficult or that mm-hmm. you are not capable of doing it. And that's not true. You are. If you're like, hey, I failed high school math. Well, yeah, you know what? I think I failed it too. And I'm like, a fi- like I do business finance for a living and I'm great <laughs> at it. And calculators are awesome. So like stop judging yourself based on what happened when you were younger. Mm-hmm. You're capable. I promise you, you're capable. You just need to have the right information given to you. You just need to be willing to learn it and be invested in your own education Even going back to what you were saying, like, luckily you have a good financial advisor, I cannot speak highly enough about having um, an expert in your corner. Mm -hmm. So it will pay for itself tenfold. People will commonly be worried about getting good financial advice from a financial advisor. One, like, 70%, if not higher, don't even know what a financial advisor is. I'm not one. <laughs> I, just so we're clear, um, I work with an exceptionally good one um, who's very motivated to give unbiased advice. Uh, and she can do that because she doesn't have any targets to hit quotas to make. 
She's not selling any products. She's very, very mm-hmm. relationship-based. And she's looking at really changing the industry um, to be more of that relationship-based, mm-hmm. to make sure she's helping you in what you need. And, I mean, she's a woman. She's a Bonus. woman. And it's it's really nice to sit we across. Love it. We love to see it. To sit across from mm-hmm. someone that can relate to you mm-hmm. is not going to make you feel silly for what you do or don't know. Mm-hmm. And then point you in the right direction. So that would be actually another piece of advice I would give, like when you did ask that question earlier, is to find an expert you can trust. Mm-hmm. It's hard mm-hmm. to find good advice out there. And mm-hmm. honestly, in the financial advising industry, there is a lot of chauvinistic, white, unapproachable men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't relate to those men very well. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see that there are people who want to change that. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, happily, I can point people in the right direction. If you were looking to get that kind of advice, I would like you to give. I would like to be able to give the name of someone you can trust mm-hmm. in order to do that. Because if that's what's holding you back from taking control of your finances then I get that because I didn't know how to go about finding that good advice. I'm glad you guys have been able to find it, and I'm sure you have found that really helpful. Mm -hmm. So we need to take the fear out of other people being able to go look for that. When I was talking to her, the financial advisor, her name is Elizabeth, she said, like, she wants to normalize it and make it so common that it's like getting your annual doctor's check. Yeah. Yeah. Or going to the dentist, right? Like, it's part of this holistic um, gaining this control over our lives um, and being healthy in every area, including our finances. Mm-hmm. And we need an expert to do that. Absolutely. I really don't believe that. The idea here is not to become the expert yourself. You have to know enough to be able to inspect what you expect. So Ooh. if you... Mm-hmm. I actually got that. <laughs> That's not my... I'm just regurgitating that either. Oh, that is so good. That was not something Put that fancy. On a t-shirt. <laughs> that I made up myself. My business mentor, um, who I love, who has taught me so much in the industry I'm in, that was one of the the things, first things he taught me. Mm. Was that you don't have to be the best at everything. You just have to know enough, mm-hmm. learn enough, and be motivated to be able to inspect what you expect. That's a point of delegating. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to do my fucking taxes. I don't want to know all the tax laws. I just want a really good accountant. Mm -hmm. And I want to know enough that when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You're doing the right thing. When I'm sitting across from a financial advisor who's asking me to sign on the dotted line for like a 3% fee of my overall portfolio that I don't want to give and is not going to be beneficial to my wealth, I want to understand that. Mm -hmm. I want to know that that's not – it's like this shady mechanic that's trying Mm -hmm. to tell you that you need a fucking new engine when – it's brand new, but you're mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. Like, I don't know enough to question this, so sure. And that's what financial literacy is. Know enough that you start being able to work with these experts who have your best interest at mm-hmm. heart, who end up paying for themselves. A right. good tax expert is going to save you so much fucking money in taxes mm-hmm. that in a good tax strategy that they, you, you have that extra money to pay them mm-hmm. and then some. You know, your financial advisor is the same way. You're going to be able to build wealth with them, and with the extra wealth you have is what you're paying them out of, where without them, you wouldn't have had that. Totally. So that would be my other piece of advice, and it's 
it's hard for women who don't have the financial literacy to ever sit across from an expert. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I'm here. Like, I get to be that person that helps you bridge the gap. Let me teach you enough where you're getting to that place where you're comfortable and confident sitting across from an expert to change your fucking life and mm-hmm. your finances, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for you guys. Amazing. I love mic it. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, mic drop. Chuck it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's like it's like room. on a cord, so I feel like it would like go and like swing back and hit me in the face or something. So just right. pretend. Okay, so I'm where can people obsessed. find you? Then? Yes, plug all your stuff. Yeah. yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm Jane So Plain. You can find me on Facebook, Jane So Plain, and then you can find me um, on my website, www.janesoplain.com. <laughs> So yeah, Amanda is going, has set up this amazing landing page for us. It's going to have all of the resources that we've talked about in this episode Mm -hmm. in like a one-stop shop for you guys. You can just click on it. We will put the link in our bio on the Two Girls, One Broadcast Instagram. So, and then if you ever have issues finding it or you have questions, just DM us and we can link you up with her. Or Amanda, because she's... She's very approachable. Yes. She's there for you. Make sure you follow her. Yes. She posts good stuff all the time. And then you can reach out to her if you have any questions about the landing page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then with that, um, obviously, you'll get that package that just helps you take some actionable steps. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be signed up for the weekly, weekly financial newsletters. Mm-hmm. So they're not. Well, they're kind of geeky and nerdy because they're finance, but they're not boring. I <laughs> no, they're good. You. We yeah, have we get them every week. They're pretty yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. They're little little like snippets of information, so they're like a good Sunday read mm-hmm. because the point is to like get a little bit at a time, a little bit of mm-hmm. information. Like read it while you're drinking your coffee or like I don't know your Sunday mimosa or like however you like to live oh. your life, whatever. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna scroll Instagram for 15 minutes in the morning, you might as well read what Amanda has to send out right. because it's much more valuable than what you'll see on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's some like. No, I would say from what I've seen <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's pretty great. So mm-hmm. you'll you'll get that too. And if you ever have any questions, I cannot. Um, say this loudly enough please reach out because feeling confused and feeling alone and feeling like you have no one to get that unbiased like I have no reason to tell you anything other than I want what's best for you so Mm -hmm. if you are worried about anything or stressed about anything please reach out and just know you're not alone in that journey Love it. I'm yeah. excited to keep everybody updated with kind of the steps that we take going along here. Mm-hmm. And we will be back with... So now we get to hold you... We all get to hold you accountable. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I got to celebrate this. So if anybody wants uh, Ford Escape... No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm selling it. It's really cute, but it I don't want to pay for it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just like finished one of this episode. But yeah, we'll be back. I'm really excited to do some follow-ups with this episode with Amanda. Thank you guys so, so, thank much, you so much for, for having me. Thank you so much for coming so much. on. It's mm-hmm. been so much fun. It We're going to get off and drink more wine now. Um, you guys know where to find us. We are Two Girls, One Broadcast on all of the social medias and we will see you next Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening. Love you tacos. Bye. Bye.